we are officially on Facebook Live. Myself and Mike Sofka speaking on the NFL moves and stories that are affecting fantasy football today, all inside of the Fantasy Football Power Hour, proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub on 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York. They're open seven days a week for indoor dining. They're also open for you for catering, takeout, and delivery by calling 315-487-2222. That's 315-487-2222. With that being stated, let's bring in the man of the hour, Mr. Safka. How are we doing? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you? I'm doing well, and and Mike, you know, just uh, what you could say about maybe the thing that's on your mind the most when it comes to this fantasy football season. Before we jump into some of these topics of the day, uh, what's something that's been on your mind lately? These 40-yard dash times are killing me. Everybody's got a rocket pack strapped to their back. I'm wondering if some of these 40-yard dashes aren't 38 yards at these pro days, or Who's running the clock? Do they have a guy who can't see very well, or he doesn't have the sight to the trigger finger on the stopwatch? What is going on here? It seems like everybody's running a 4-4. I I can remember a time in a place where 4-4s were the fastest guys in the draft. Now it's nothing for a 4-2-4-3, and now it seems quarterbacks. Justin Fields runs a 4-4-4. Kyle Pitts, tight end, runs a 4-4. Hey, everybody's running a 4-4. I, I bet you I will go in my front yard and step <laughs> on 40 yards and I can cock a 4-4. What is going on? Everybody's all of a sudden super fast. Yeah, you know, and in not having a combine and being these situations where there's these pro days, you know, you have these unofficial times and and when the scouts come, there, you know, they take their own times, and some people have, you know, different numbers, maybe a second off or so. But, you know, it really comes down to trust, Mike. I mean, it, it comes down to, you know, are these numbers accurate? Are all of these people just really that fast? And like you said, if you ran a 4-4, you were one of the fastest people alive. Now if you run a 4-4 and everybody's doing it, you know, there's there's this sense of like, oh, okay, well, I guess I've just, you know, now i got to run a 4-1. So it is it is a very strange scenario to see, you know, four fours and four threes and, you know, even talking to, to Syracuse players and them talking about, you know, numbers like that. And and I'm sitting here thinking in my head, like, these are incredible numbers, but these are this isn't supposed to be something that's easy to do. So and uh, and Greg just put very liberal stopwatches. I mean, if we're trusting in the pro days, then we're trusting in the pro days, and if that's what we're doing, then, you know, Mike, we 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 may see, you know, uh, 90% of the guys coming in running 4-4s. Who knows? Yeah, well, it's making it, you know, a little more difficult for guys like myself who use that as part of a tool. As you know, every year I put out my adjusted explosive index. That's a, a stat that Ray Summerlin came up with many years ago and I've adopted it and I've kind of been using it year after year. And what the Adjusted Explosive Index or AEI as I call it does is it puts those measurables from the combine all into play for guys in the wide receiver position. What happens is there's a there's a mathematical formula but you use things such as the 40 time, the height and weight of the player there's other variables in there but the 40 time is a critical component of that index that i use so you know and it's a little more difficult for me to find those consistent quality numbers like you said there could be some variance so i'm going to do the best i can it's going to take me a little longer i'm working on it now the adjusted explosive index i should be releasing that now the reason why that's important to fantasy football is for the past i don't know how many years i i it's it's been a it's been a quality tool to use when drafting in your fantasy leagues especially dynasty and or keeper leagues wide receivers you want guys who are going to perform i'll give you an example last year the guy on the top of the list was chase claypool wasn't the top wide receiver in that class last year, but he came out on top in the AEI, and as you saw, he did make a name for himself. They almost jettisoned Juju Smith-Schuster out of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh always seems to draft those great receivers that, well, they go on elsewhere and make more money, but Juju's back with the team. But guys in the past, off the top of my head, DJ Moore, another guy nobody saw coming. DJ Shark, another guy nobody saw coming. The numerical values I use 
basically if you're 95 or above in the adjusted explosive index, you're going to have a great career. Guys that have excelled over 100 in that index have gone on to have Hall of Fame type careers. And this is going back many, many years. So, again, be on the lookout for that. I'll post a link for it on, um, you know, Winning Fantasy Football, our Facebook group. But I'm, it, it just makes it a little more difficult when I don't know. It, it's not a consistent 40 time. It, it, I can't compare it to everyone else. If it's if if 48 people are doing 40 times, I may have 48 additional variables I don't know about, and that doesn't make for good math. Yeah, you know, and and looking at I'm, I'm looking at the times right now. I'm looking at the results tracker from pro days all over the country, and I mean this this started back on March 5th, so we've gone over a month. Uh, Puka Williams from Kansas had a 4.38 at running back. And we're looking at uh, some of these other ones here. Greg Newsome, cornerback out of Northwestern, he ran a 4.37. And, I mean, the edge rushers are, are running under fives as well, 4.93s, 4.95s. Just going through here and seeing what, what some of these, uh, you know, uh, Felipe Franks from Arkansas, who used to be the quarterback at Florida, he ran a 4.55 at the quarterback position. Uh, for Arkansas, uh, Rakeem Boyd, his running back, run a, ran a 4.58. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at your numbers here, Mike, and or I'm looking at the numbers that you're looking at that you mentioned, and, you know, I'm seeing a lot of 4.5s. I'm seeing 4.4s. Jake Funk from Maryland ran a 4.43 at the running back position. You know, if we start seeing tackles run 4.4s, four then, then I'm really going to call, I'm going to have to blow the whistle on it, but uh, we look at, uh, you know, some of the things here. Uh, Trevor Lawrence did not do it. Uh, Travis Etienne ran a 4-4-1. He ran all over Syracuse at his time at Clemson. 4-4-1 for him. Amari uh, Rogers ran a 4-5-1 at wide receiver for Clemson. So, I mean, yeah, going just going through this, and there is so much information. We should actually uh, put this up on the site because this is really great information. Now, Brennan Eagles, a 4-5-5 he ran for... I'm trying to see here. Uh, Brennan Eagles of Texas. Texas had a ton of numbers that I'm looking through right now, and yeah, I mean this is this is incredible. The center for Oklahoma, Creed Humphrey, ran a 5.09, which is that. <laughs> I mean that's pretty good. Trey Brown, 4.4 out of Oklahoma. So yeah, I mean the more I look through these, the more I'm seeing exactly what you're saying is the 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 40-yard dashes are low. Four fours, four fives. You know, and, and linemen being around 4-9, 5-0. Yeah, I mean, going through a pro day and having, you know, everybody kind of clock their own thing here. And 4-5-4 for Buffalo's Jarrett Patterson. You know, I mean, it's, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to see what they had here. Here's Syracuse's. Uh, Fatu Melifonwu, 4-4-8 at cornerback in the 40-yard dash. They got Trill at a 4-4-2 at cornerback. And uh, they don't have the number for Cisco. So four fours for the two guys from Syracuse, which is remarkable because uh, typically Syracuse in recent history is not putting a lot of guys, uh, you know, out there that have numbers like that. So something, I mean, something to look at for sure. But yeah, Mike, I mean, if if you got if you got ninety players running four fours and four fives, it might be difficult to figure out who the fastest one is and who you should take. So that's where you have to do That's where that interview process means a lot more, which, you know, we don't get to see that, but the interview process is crucial. And on top of, you know, the interview process, all the other things, you know, the verticals and just taking overall measurements, the bench and whatnot, some things you can't, you can't fudge unless you turn off all the cameras. But at the end of the day, somebody's going to find out. So not to say these numbers aren't accurate, but it just looks like the whole world got faster in football. Yeah, well, I, I've seen and heard, you know, other current NFL players' remarks on Twitter about the 40 times and so forth. And and, and, and the reason why the 40 times is so critical to the layman or somebody just, you know, enjoys football, casual fan or whatever, hey, I get it, that's cool, 40 times a 40 time and a 4-4 four, four, or 4-2, four, what's the difference? The difference can be millions of dollars, literally millions. The difference could be getting drafted and not drafted. The difference could be a first-round versus a third-round grade. Don't forget, 
being the combine hasn't happened this year, you don't get to see all these guys standing next to each other and near each other. You don't get to see these guys in an element outside of what they're comfortable with. They're comfortable with being in their home practice facility for pro days. They're, they're comfortable. That's where they spend all their time. If you're drafting a guy, I want to make him feel uncomfortable. I want him to feel every bit of the big stage that it is. I want him to understand how big this moment is because the moments can only get bigger, especially for guys that are good. They're going to they're gonna hopefully be in the NFL for a while. The challenge is half of these guys ain't going to make it, especially top quarterbacks. When you consider that only 50% of the top quarterbacks, I mean, when I say top quarterbacks, I'm talking first-round quarterbacks. Only half of them end up working out. They, they get washed. Look at just a few years ago. We were talking about Jared Goff and Carson Wentz and which one was going to go number one. Now they've both been traded and appear to be on the backside of their career or trying to save their career. So these little things, these tenths of a second, these hundreds of a second are huge for any potential player coming up. And it's going to make harder the job for the scouts they're gonna have to go back and really watch game film of all these guys they're projecting because if if you can count them this year i mean it's it's definitely you got you got to dig deep you know like you said you brought up a great point you know these these guys are at their pro day now if nfl scouts are clocking them then nfl scouts are clocking them and you know i would think that their numbers are going to be accurate because they need to bring those numbers back to their bosses. So, you know, that's one side of it. But you brought up the comfortability. You know, the fact that Syracuse working out in the Ensley Center is extremely different than them going to Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. So, you know, there are nerves that go on with that. Being in an NFL stadium, having it be huge and the lights are on and everybody's staring at you and it's quiet as opposed to just hanging out in the place that you've been working out for the last three years, four years, five years. So you bring up a great point, Mike, that you know if, if these 40 times are all accurate around the country, then they're all accurate around the country with, with people running them in places where they feel most comfortable. And you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. So that's that's the thing here is, you know, we look at the fact that they're they're televised when they're at Lucas Oil Stadium. They are, you know, they're out of their element. And they're with everybody from around the country, the arguable best of the best at their position. When you're in your pro day, you're with your teammates. So you got your teammates where, you know, you would feel more comfortable than total strangers. The guys that are going up against you at position around the country, they're not in the room with you. They're not talking to you. They're not standing there watching you. So all of that goes away on top of the fact that it's all familiar digs. So you're in a place you know with the people that you know. That to me is a lot more favorable than going and and standing next to your competition inside of a stadium that you probably have never been in before. Absolutely. And then you got the out, you know, outside factor there's some guys that sat out all last year. <coughs> I get it. COVID and, you know, everybody's situation is a little bit different. Maybe you were protecting grandma or whatever, or maybe you're just protecting yourself, you know. But the bottom line is still the bottom line. I got to see film on these guys, and that interview is going to be important. I just – these guys are just physically just blowing me away. But you got to look at guys that maybe didn't play last year. Look at Jamar Chase. Look at these guys that are – wide receivers that uh, look at Jalen Waddle got hurt last year and Devonta Smith another wide receiver on his team Alabama went on to win the Heisman and he was considered the second best receiver on his team yeah so definitely an interesting year uh for for, for all the players that we're going to be looking at again game film is critical but don't forget how much game film is there how many games did Ohio State play and Ohio State is one of the blue blood NFL dominating schools throughout the country. They send players to the NFL. If you want to play in the NFL, one of the schools you consider going to is Ohio State. Well, when their season is so abbreviated, say what you will about the changing of the rules and the petition to get them into the college football championship, but look at the film. I don't have a combine. Now I only have four games, four regular season games I can look at for this, these guys. I might as well not just look at their, their 
their previous year. Oh, and by the way, most of these guys are juniors, which means they were sophomores. That's the team I'm really looking at. That's the game film I'm really looking at. Well, wait a second. He had that great all-star guy in front of him, so he couldn't play his freshman year. So I got one year of tape on these guys. Look at Trey Lance. Trey Lance, they were just playing football not long ago in North Dakota State. These guys are are, are still actively uh you know, trying to do what they got to do to get to the NFL, but not everybody's on an equal footing. Not everybody has an equal ground, and that's fine. That's fine with me. I get it. Life isn't fair, but it just makes the analysis that much harder on these teams who are literally investing millions of dollars in a coin flip at times because half these guys aren't going to work out. Yeah, you know, and, and that's the thing is every little bit counts. Every piece of this process counts. I mean, look at Jacksonville. And what they had, there was a string of six years where every player that they drafted, I wrote an article about it, every player that they drafted within a six-year period wasn't on the team anymore. So, you know, that shows you right then and there the reality that sometimes you swing and you miss. Sometimes you swing and you miss a lot. So it's just, it's just the reality of what's going on. And it's unfortunate when you make those moves, but... At the end of the day, you have to do your due diligence. I mean, you got to have faith in it. You got to have belief in it. You know, and 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 just hope that. I mean, there's a lot of things that go. There's things that go into it that are out of your control. But doing your due diligence of knowing who the person is as a human being, who they are on and off the field, how they react in high pressure, high octane situations. That's what you need to do. If I was interviewing these guys, I would put them in really difficult situation as, situations and ask them how they get out of it. That's what I would do. Because I want to know. I want to put it all out there and see where they're at. And so, I mean, I would want to put them... Because that's when you know somebody for real, for real. Is when you put them in a crisis. And what they, and what they think a crisis is. Because some people think a crisis is something that other people think is very tiny. So... When I'm asking questions, if I was doing this within the world of the NFL and I was scouting these guys, I would be putting them in high-pressure, high-octane situations. And when I did that, I would be really looking at everything. Their mannerisms. What do they do? How you know? How quickly can they figure out how to get... I'd put them in a freaking panic room. I would. I'd be like, you know what? We're going to simulate one of those things where you got to figure out how to get out of this building in 30 minutes. Because I want to see what they do. Do they work with people? Do they work alone? Do they yell? Do they scream? Do they freak out? Are they methodical? Do they try to figure things out? Can can they work well under pressure? Because the NFL, that's what it is. It's pressure all the time. And you think that you're great because maybe you were the best on your team, but that's inconsequential when we look at the rest of the country. We're sending the best of the... I mean, when they went from high school to and prep to college, more than likely, the talent got better. When they went from college and now going to pro, the talent's going to get better. So I need to know what they're going to do in these situations. And there's so many players that are talented that their character is really going to mean a lot to me. And if people think that I'm crazy for saying that, go back and watch the tape and listen to the shows when I talked about Jalen Ramsey, Telvin Smith, Yannick Ngakwe, and Marcel Darius all being a problem in the locker room in Jacksonville. And now they're all gone. So that is reality. Sometimes you get great talent that you just can't work with and and that's I mean or you try to do it but they just don't Jalen Ramsey's gonna he was always gonna be a problem and so you have to try and weed that out and some of it is out of your control some of it you just got to have the faith that things will be revealed to you during the process but it's not just a 40 time it's not just a vertical jump it's not just a shuttle okay we can teach animals how to do these things. And so to me, it's who you are. It's what you do. It's the film, don't lie. And it's me really understanding how you attack the game, how you attack life, and what type of human being you're going to be on my team. Because if I want to win a championship and you can run really fast, there's guys all over the NFL on teams that have never won a championship that ran really fast. It's about who you are, how you are as a teammate, what you do in a high-pressure situation. So I'm hoping these NFL teams are doing it. If not, call me, and maybe I can make some money as a liaison or a counsel to this thing. 
Yeah, I think it's all about, you know, just making sure you have all your ducks in a row. Because, like I said, a lot of these guys aren't going to work out. It's like going to the grocery store and you're shopping for produce. What you secretly, secretly don't know is half of this produce has been here a week and it's all mixed together. Maybe you're not at a very reputable store and they don't rotate their, their food and so forth. So you got to really be careful. you got to look at each player to the to, to the umpteenth degree, you gotta you gotta have all your eyes dotted and your T's crossed. You know, you take a look at uh, you know some of these signals that I'm seeing. You know, teams are making interesting moves. Just you know, this morning I saw how Giovanni Bernard was released from the Bengals. Now I don't know what that means. Maybe they can re-sign him or bring him back at a different contract situation. But they're slotted or expected to take you know, the tight end out of Florida pits. And you say, wow, number four, yeah, this guy's a beast. This guy's like a seven-foot wingspan. I've been watching this guy closely for a couple years. This guy was led all tight ends in yardage and, and, and touchdowns, and he missed several games. So, you know, it was the Kyle Pitts. It was the Kyle uh, Trask to Kyle Pitts show, Kyle to Kyle in, in Florida. And it was just exciting to see this guy could line up at receiver. This guy's that Dallas Clark type guy who is going to be one of the top receivers at his position, tight end. Yet this guy is huge. And he runs a 4-4-4 with a 7-foot wingspan. This guy's like 6-6 and like 240-something. The guy's 260. The guy's incredible. So you, normally you don't see tight ends going that high, but Cincinnati may take him at 4. But you take a look at what just happened with them releasing Giovanni Bernard. Do they really believe that much in Joe Mixon? I don't think so. Maybe this is a signal they're going to look at a running back. Maybe they're going to look at a Javonta Williams or a Michael Carter out of out of North Carolina or a Travis Etienne out of Clemson would be a pick. So, you know, there's going to be a lot more movement until there's a few free agents out there. But I always find this time... You know, you, you're kind of getting jittery. It's almost like you know there's big games coming up or there's big events coming up. No matter how many times you've been there, no matter how many times you've seen it, a lot of this is out of your control as a player. You can only control what you can control. You can control your fast 40 time at your home field. You can control the tape you have out there of your performance. What you can't control is who's selecting when and why they're going to make change certain picks maybe they would pick you but they have a bigger need at at another position so you fall a little bit more in the so there's a lot of things and that's why the nervousness and the, and the, and the tension is so great for the draft for these guys because they can't control their destiny they're not an unrestricted free agent who can just travel around and interview teams and sign with who they want to sign with Yes, it is kind of like getting recruited again, but again, you don't have a say in it at all, and a team's needs could dictate their pick. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and that's and that's again, you know, you could be the best player available at that time, but your money's going to be affected because they don't need your position. So that's you know, Mike, you bring up a great point because that is something that players face every single year. Why didn't I get drafted here? Why didn't this happen? Why didn't this work out in my favor? Well, because they didn't need that position. They didn't need that guy to come in at the time. They needed somebody else. They needed a quarterback. So, you know, just uh, again, really quick here, to go back uh, to to the numbers, I want to give a shout-out to Indiana as uh, Indiana, one of the teams that uh, I really have started to like watching because of the fact that Stevie Scott from my hometown of uh, Syracuse, New York, is is somebody that's on the team, and I said I can't wait to draft him, and I meant that. And now I said I, I said I can't wait to draft him in three years, and here we are, three years later, and he's going to the NFL, foregoing his final season of eligibility. And he ran a where is his name? Stevie Scott the third ran a four six six forty yard dash, and so all of his numbers are here, and uh, six foot two twenty five, and then Wap failure the wide receiver that I know from down at HP Plant, who was a teammate of Rex Culpeppers, who came up to Syracuse, he ran a 4.57 coming out of Indiana. So some good stuff here as Mike and I continue the conversation. And uh, we got another message here. Uh, pretty sure Hawkinson has the record being selected at number eight overall. I think Pitts is going to set the new bar height this draft. Uh, Pitts is going to be a force in the league. Uh, talking about Kyle Pitts, the tight ends. 
wide receiver-ish, but tight end on paper uh, that is looking to come out of Florida and find his place in the NFL. Mike and I will take a quick step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. When we come back from this fast break, we will be discussing a few things that will be affecting your fantasy team this season, including Sammy Watkins going and playing with Lamar Jackson and the Sam Darnold time being done. Folks, he was drafted in 2018. You might think it was farther away than that. Wasn't. So, in just a few years' time, Sam Darnold has been let go. And what does that mean for Teddy Bridgewater, who just got a nice contract? Does that mean it's all over? We'll talk about all of that right after this when we come back on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt, as well as on facebook.com backslash livenowdt and youtube.com backslash wakeupcalldt. We are inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios, Cafe Kubal with five locations around central and upstate New York on 3501 James Street, 324 West Water Street. 208 North Townsend Street and 401 South Salina Street, all in Syracuse, as well as their newest location on 343 Fayette Street in Manlius, New York. Go and get your favorite cup today, as well as their awesome sandwiches, desserts, and more at your local cafe, Kubal. With that being stated, Mike Sofka is here with me every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time inside of the Fantasy Football Power Hour, proudly presented by the Wildcats Sports Pub. The Wildcat, a perfect place to watch all your games from football to baseball to basketball to hockey, volleyball, and on, I mean, cricket, whatever, wherever, make it happen. Over at the Wildcat, seven days a week, indoor dining, as well as takeout, delivery, and catering by calling 315-487-2222. That's 315-487-2222. With that being stated here on the show, Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com and of our winning fantasy football group on Facebook, you can join for free. Mike and I are discussing a bunch of different things. We talked about Pro Day in the first portion of today's broadcast. And uh, speaking on Pro Day, also discussing the numbers of the 40-yard dash and how uh, many players look like they're in the 4-5-4-4 range right now, which is uh, very interesting here on these numbers, uh, making it look like the entire country just got a heck of a lot faster. So we'll see. We will definitely see when they get into camp. Mike and I are now moving on to another piece here, and that is Sam Darnold. Now, the Carolina Panthers decided to uh, accept a a trade here for Sam Darnold, and there's a lot of things that this trade does. Now, Sam Darnold was drafted back in 2018, so folks, remember that. To some people, including me, I'm thinking he's been in the league for six years. It just felt like that. That's not the case. He was drafted just a little while ago, and the Jets have already let him go. And they traded him to the Carolina Panthers for a 2021 sixth-round pick, a 2022 second-round pick, and a 2022 fourth-round pick. Mike, thoughts on the Jets ending their era with Sam Darnold after just a few seasons? And then secondly, what do you think about the value of Sam Darnold when a sixth a second and a fourth is all it took 
to take a former high first-round draft pick. Well, that's what happens when you miss. I mean, the Jets missed on this one. They missed badly. I can't put all the onus on Sam Darnold, but that's where the onus goes for wins. That's where the onus goes when it doesn't work out after three or four years and you're a top, you know, your number three pick. The guys picked in front of you are Baker Mayfield, number one to Cleveland, and Saquon Barkley. So, I mean, there's a certain level of expectation. As Sam Darnold comes out of USC, he was always highly touted as a quarterback. But when you got career numbers similar to Jameis Winston in the fact that you've got 45 TDs and 39 interceptions. Your team has gone 4-9, 4-9 and 18. In 19, you went 7-6. and six. And in 20, you went 2-10 and 10 and almost had the first pick at a draft before you messed up and won a couple games at the end there, Jets. This is what happens. You get set back as an organization when you miss. They're back to where they were three years ago. Guess what? They still need a quarterback. And this happens from time to time, team to team, for different reasons. But I think for the Jets, they really didn't have any pieces around Sam Darnold. And when they did have those pieces, those guys were hurt. Quick, name me the the quality receivers that the Jets have had for Sam Darnold. Name me the quality running back that the Jets have had for Sam Darnold. I mean, it just it hasn't worked. Everything they touched in New York for the Jets, it was the opposite of the Midas touch. It was the poo-poo touch. <laughs> Everything turned to crap. I mean, it was just bad. How can you expect to win and put all that onus on Sam Darnold? Now, the great news is Sam Richard Donald can resurrect his career. He can have a fresh start. He's got some outstanding receivers there in in Carolina to help him. It looks like Carolina is going to have Christian McCaffrey back at full strength. So this could be a blessing in disguise for a guy like Sam Darnold's career. He better hope so, because if this doesn't work out... Now, now mind you, the Carolina, I think they still have a top 10 pick. They could still draft a quarterback after making this play. What happens to Teddy Bridgewater at this point? Obviously, he's expendable. They're going to be trading him, but I don't know what kind of trade value you can get. But I think the Carolina Panthers are willing to take a chance, and I think rightfully so. This is a guy who, if they see it like I see it, where I don't think he was supported. I don't think he... I don't think Sam Darnold had the right. You're putting a cook in the kitchen, and you're going, go ahead and make me a... a, a, a five-star meal here and by the way i went down to uh the pick and save and i bought some outdated meat and i got some dented cans of food and stuff but i want you to make this super i want you to serve us like you're serving it to kings or presidents you can't do it you got to have good ingredients if you want a good meal you got to start with good ingredients and a competent chef they had what on paper coming into new york in Sam Darnold, they had a competent chef. They did give him the right ingredients. Who was it? The big tuna that always said, you want me to make the cake, but you don't let me shop for the ingredients. This is an opportunity for Sam Darnold to turn around, and I hope it does turn around for him in Carolina. Yeah, you know, Sam Darnold, and, and you bring up a great point, and I agree with you. And, you know, that point in the reality that. You know, name the name the quality tight end that he had. Name the receivers that just jumped off the paper to you. Name the running backs that weren't 500 years old. Or on, you know, I mean, Le'Veon Bell coming onto this team. Listen, we figured out really, I said we were going to figure out whether Pittsburgh was right. Like whether Pittsburgh was the problem or Le'Veon Bell was the problem. And obviously it was Le'Veon Bell. And whether Antonio Brown was a problem or Pittsburgh was a problem. And it looks like it was Antonio Brown. These guys did not lead anywhere. I'm happy Antonio's back in the NFL. I hope he stays focused. Le'Veon, I wish him the best as well. But these guys have been a problem. And, And that's just reality. So... Bringing in a guy like Le'Veon Bell didn't do much anything for Sam Darnold. Probably maybe gave him some more headaches. But the wide receiver core, their best guys, Robbie Anderson and Quincy Inunua, 
the team let go. The irony? Robbie Anderson's in Carolina, and now so is Sam Darnold. He gets his guy back by leaving. Sam Darnold was never given a chance to succeed with the Jets. Like you said, when you talked about cooking and being in the kitchen. But to me, it's like being in a cooking competition where they ask you to make filet mignon, and they don't give you the steak. They don't give you the meat. They ask you to make sweet potatoes out of sardines. That's what the Jets have done. The Jets should be ashamed of the decisions they've made because they've been horrendous. They're a Broadway show more than they are a team in the NFL. It's reality. And everybody wants to crap on the Browns, but the Browns have gotten better. And people want to crap on the Jaguars, but the Jaguars just try to upgrade everything. The Jets hired a coach who was terrible in their division. That was their big money move. Let's bring in Adam Gase. He didn't do anything in Miami. Let's let him do nothing here for millions of dollars. Now, this is not me ripping on Adam Gase. I'm not trying to do that. I'm saying I don't know what the Jets saw in that decision amongst other people that were available. I don't know what the Jets saw in doing nothing for Sam Darnold. Because you set, you set him up to fail. But the Jets are notorious for setting guys up to fail. They did the same thing to Mark Sanchez. And I was at camp all those years. They screwed over Mark Sanchez. They let him be the scapegoat. And apparently, they looked like they were okay with it. So, Sam leaving? Good. I hope you have a fantastic career in, in Carolina, Sam. Because there's... How about this? You go from having Frank Gore at 115 years old and Le'Veon Bell, who seems to be a problem, and you inherit Christian McCaffrey. You get Robbie Anderson back, and you get a coach in Matt Rule, who I have appreciated and respected since my time with him at Temple. Now, the decision by the Jets, general manager Joe Douglas said this, quote, I think it's safe to say, if our pick were, if our, if our pick were a little later, we wouldn't be having this discussion right now. We'd fully be comfortable with moving forward with Sam, end quote. So he's saying, we love Sam, but we got the number two pick. I don't really buy that. If you really, really like Sam Darnold, you wouldn't get rid of him. That's like saying, I love my girlfriend, but this girl's super hot. But if this girl didn't come into that Wegmans when I walked in that day, I would have stayed with my girlfriend. That's insane. They didn't want to be with Sam anymore, so they let him go. What they got for him? Well, I hope the Jets make a good decision. They haven't done that lately. But a fourth round, a sixth round, and a second round? Eh. Eh. But Tom Brady was a four, well, that was a sixth round compensatory pick. Now, I think the Jets are... I, I, I mean, I have a feeling on who the Jets are going to take, and I'll talk about that in a second. But Douglas went on to say... We feel really good about the draft class as a whole and the quarterback class specifically. This was an opportunity to hit the reset button financially, so to speak. End quote. Now, there's some money in this. The second pick will get a four-year contract, $35 million. It's fully guaranteed. It's a fixed cost. Four-year, $35 million. If Sam Darnold had stayed, remember, he's in his rookie contract right now. That's how quick this decision was made. People freaking out that Jared Goff got sent off to Detroit as the former number one pick. Sam Darnold was still in his rookie contract, folks. Remember that. He was scheduled to count $9.8 million in the final year of his rookie contract. They could have exercised a fifth-year option in 2022, and that would have been $18.9 million. So, it would have cost the Jets $28.7 million for two years to keep Darnold, as opposed to bringing in a new quarterback at $35 million in four years. There's also a $5 million cap hit because they traded Sam Darnold. So, money-wise, you get a guy for two years, almost 30 mil, or four years for 35 mil. I see the money reasoning here, when you look at it that way. And I believe that that money is going to go to BYU quarterback, Zach Wilson. Because I believe he's going to be the second one off the board after Trevor Lawrence. And the Jets are right after the Jaguars. What are your thoughts on that pick, Mike? 
Yeah, there's some that say that Zach Wilson is the most talented quarterback in this draft. Now, I don't buy that. I think, you you know, I've been looking at this Trevor Lawrence ever since he stepped onto the Clemson field. I mean, he Clemson, the quarterback, his name's escaping me, who was there at the time, he, he just got sort of run off. And, and that's what happens even in college nowadays. But Trevor Lawrence... Oh, you're talking they, about uh, Kelly Bryant, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Trevor Lawrence has a star ever since he stepped on the field at Clemson, and I think he carries that. And this is going to be good for Jacksonville, but Zach Wilson seems to be the guy everybody's enamored with from this past year. They're saying he's got good spin on the ball, he's got good arm strength, he can think on his feet, he's very quick, he can run, he can throw across his body, which is something you're not supposed to do. But this is a guy who can apparently do it all. So you know what that means. In three years, he's going to be done and washed up because the Jets don't make good decisions. So, you know, it's just like anything else. It's just like, you know, you're going to have to live with this decision for a long time. I think it's outside pressure on the Jets that are making it. If they let all five or so these quality quarterbacks that are first round and top 10 picks, if they let every one of them get past them and take a tight end or take a lineman or take a running back, the fans would would be rabid. They'd be protesting in the streets. They'd be trashing stuff. They'd be burning jerseys if there's any Jets jerseys left. Fireman Ed is going to have to personally go to people's houses to put out and extinguish the fire of jerseys in the New York, New Jersey area. If they don't take a quarterback, they have to take a quarterback. Now they really have to take a quarterback that they've jettisoned Darnold, and they come out and they make a statement. It's fair to assume we might take a quarterback. Stop. You're taking Zach Wilson. Everybody knows it. That's the pick you have to make, and you have to hope that it's a better pick than the Sam Darnold pick was. But is it really Sam Darnold's fault like we talked about? Are you the Jets going to put the pieces around your new quarterback is Zach Wilson. Are we gonna Are we gonna roll out there? Are we really gonna roll out there with Corey Davis being our number one receiver and Denzel Mims, who hasn't really shown up yet, and Jamison Crowder, who's hot and cold, Keelan Cole, an old Jacksonville guy, or Braxton Berrios, the guy who used to be in Miami for yeah. the Hurricanes. Yeah. Look at your running back there. The Michael Perrine, former Florida Gator. I'm happy for the Michael Perrine, but he didn't show me enough last year. But right now, he's a starting running back. Christopher Herndon is the tight end there. Yes, you got Makai Becton on the offensive line. Yes, you can protect your quarterback. Yes, you have some players on the defensive front, including Quinn and Williams. And I've often said one of the things that's most overlooked is a good quality defense for a quarterback. The defense can get you out of trouble and can put you in great positions to score and win games. So a defense is critical. The defense is on the come around, right? Although I'm surprised at some of their recent moves. But they have backed those up with Ashton Davis and Marcus May. So I think it's all on this pick here. This is a very important draft for the Jets because, as you see, three years from now, we could be having this same conversation if Zach Wilson doesn't out or they screw up and pick somebody else. Well, and we know if they screw up, they can just, you know, three years down the road, let him go like they did to Sam Darnold, who only played three seasons with the team. So, uh, speaking of moves... With this move, Teddy Bridgewater, who signed a three-year, $63 million deal, which is actually a two-year deal, Teddy Bridgewater went from coming into the NFL from Louisville, where I covered him in college, to going to the Minnesota Vikings and being the starting quarterback, to having an injury, and an injury-laden time in Minnesota, ultimately jettisoned him off. He ended up in New Orleans, backing up Drew Brees, eventually, And when that happened, he stepped in for Drew Brees and took care of business a couple seasons ago, which caught the attention of the NFL and the Carolina Panthers, who decided to bring him in on a three-year contract. Well, he's played one season, Mike, and they're already ready to let him go. What are your thoughts on the Teddy Bridgewater saga in Carolina and how quickly it seems like it may be over? And then secondly, the reality that Teddy Bridgewater was on the Jets with Sam Darnold and got beat out. Now he's on the Panthers with Sam Darnold, and I feel like he's getting some deja vu all over again. 
Yeah, well, you know, you got to wonder, did Teddy Bridgewater ever fully recover from that gruesome leg injury he had? But you got to look at, you know, what was happening at the time surrounding Bridgewater departing the Saints. It didn't look like Drew Brees was going to retire anytime soon. And and, and if if he did, Bridgewater stayed in New Orleans, he would have turned down more money, which he had done at one time. Bridgewater had the opportunity to cash in, and he did. Now, the problem arises in that Carolina has a number eight pick. They still may take a quarterback. They had the opportunity to pay pennies on the dollar to get Sam Darnold, who didn't just fall off the turnip truck and become a quarterback. The guy is an NFL quarterback. I still think Sam Darnold has life in him, so they have to make this move. Now, there's still a chance that Teddy Bridgewater could stay on the Panthers, but paying $17 million in base salary in 2021 with $10 million guaranteed and $20 million in 2022, there'd have to be some sort of restructuring of a contract or something. The, the Panthers have given Teddy Bridgewater and his agent you know, the permission to seek a trade elsewhere, I mean, maybe he goes to Denver, the Broncos are looking for a quarterback possibly, but I don't know. Are the Broncos going to draft a quarterback? So there's a lot at play here. This is, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a quality guy. I think the Panthers viewed it as a win-win situation. When they signed him, if he took off and got hot and was the answer, so be it. Great. They did a good thing. If not, he was a gap until they can get another guy in here. Like apparently they may pick quarterback in this draft. So I think Teddy Bridgewater is just stuck between a rock and a hard place. Again, this is things somewhat out of his control. But if he had played a little better last year, maybe this would be in his control a little more. So just unanswered questions, good stuff for us to talk about. I'm interested to see what happens with Teddy Bridgewater. I still think he's got game in him. I still think he's an NFL quarterback. Yeah, you know, and I think I think he's got – and the I, I do too. I mean, I, I, I thought this was like his resurrection. That's why I'm frustrated. Because I thought Carolina was like, hey, let's give him a shot. And now it's like, hey, we gave him a shot. Not even 365 days ago. Bye. So, but Sam Darnold knows all about that. These are two guys that know what it's like to be told, you're our guy. Just kidding. So, I mean, it's it's one of those things that we shall see play out. But I want the best for Sam. And I want the best for Teddy. And after the Jaguars pick at one, and the Jets pick at two, and the Niners traded up from 12 to three, and they're going after a quarterback... So, the fourth pick is the Atlanta Falcons. Now, they're apparently open to giving it up. Falcons need all the help they can get, and eventually they have to move on from Matt Ryan, which is hard to say because I like Matty from BC. Falcons general manager Terry Fontenot said, quote, there are so many different scenarios. There are going to be some really good players there at number four. We can move up and we can move down and acquire more picks. There's just a lot of different scenarios to really go through. End quote. That sounds like somebody who's making the most blandest statement ever. Mike, you and I can say that. I could say it like this. Here, let me paint a picture. Let's not talk about quarterbacks or let's or, or picks. Let's just talk about cereal. I'm in line at Target. I'm in the aisle. And I'm going to say the same quote. There are so many different scenarios. There's some really good cereals right here in this aisle. I can grab this one or I could grab that one. There's just a lot of different cereals to look at. That's what he said. He didn't say much of anything. I don't even know what cereal he's looking at, which could be smart. But who are the Falcons going to go with? And should they trade that pick? Mike, I don't think they should. I think they need a lot of help. They need to figure out who their receiver is going to be in the future. They need to figure out their quarterback of the future. Their defense doesn't shock or stun or scare anybody and they're trying to figure out who the heck their leadership is going to be there because that's something at head coach and general manager that hasn't been consistently good for them so i don't think atlanta should do anything with the number four pick unless somehow they trade up which i don't think is going to happen unless jacksonville's stupid which i really hope they're not (laughs) but 
I don't know. To me, Atlanta needs the highest pick they can get. I don't agree if they trade it. What are your thoughts? Actually, I'm of the I'm of the school of the opposite thought. I think they need to trade it unless they're going to take Kyle Picks and uh, Kyle Pitts, and they decide that the uh, the situation with Hayden Hurst hasn't worked out. I mean, it was only basically a year, but maybe they just couldn't get it done. Maybe it's just not the right fit. You know, you, you look at Atlanta, maybe they move back to nine. Maybe they trade with Denver, and Denver moves up to four to leapfrog Carolina at eight, who may take a quarterback, or Detroit at seven, who may take a quarterback. So maybe they maybe they can get a King's Ransom from, from the Broncos. Or maybe somebody else is willing to move up. I, I, I think I think they're they could make out tremendously here. And and one little note I didn't get to mention about Sam Darnold. If you look at the depth chart for the Carolina Park Panthers, Dan Arnold is the tight end. So I can picture <laughs> the Sam Darnold to Dan Arnold connection. I can't wait to hear that on the Darnold to Arnold. You know, I can't wait to hear that. But getting back to the Falcons, I think they do trade back. I think that's the smart move to make. I still think they got a few years left with Matty Ice. They don't necessarily have to take a quarterback, but this team really needs to. I think they need to make a splash and they need to do something right. So unless they can stay in the first round, get a good pick, and get get some value in like the second round or something like that, unless they could bring that all together, I don't think they should trade it away. So it depends on what they can get. That's at the end of the day, if it if it makes sense, they don't need to be trading down in the twenties unless they're going to get a couple picks. So we shall see what we shall see. So and I, and I look forward to what Atlanta is going to do. I do hope the best for them. You know, shout out to my buddy Joe, who's a big fan of the Atlanta Falcons, and it's been a long time since I think he's felt good about a lot of stuff here. But there's quarterbacks that are out there. North Dakota State's Trey Lance. Ohio State's Justin Fields. Alabama's Mac Jones. Who at one time was behind Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa. Crazy to think that. And here he is now. But we shall see what Atlanta will do. Mike, final point here. In this edition of the Fantasy Football Power Hour. Proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub on 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York where you can go and dine in every Monday through Sunday, seven days a week. And, of course, you can go there for takeout delivery and catering by calling 315-487-2222. That's 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat. So, that being stated, Baltimore Ravens have brought in Sammy Watkins. Sammy, who I watched play when he was at Clemson, covering him at Clemson. Sammy, who I watched, I believe, had the first... Clemson touchdown against Syracuse in the Dome with since Syracuse had joined the ACC. Sammy Watkins, who went to Buffalo and seemingly disappeared under Doug Marone and then reappeared with Kansas City eventually, is now a Baltimore Raven for one year, $5 million. Now, he said that he believes Lamar Jackson could be an elite quarterback in the NFL. He said, quote, it takes guys getting open to be great, look great, and be the Patrick Mahomes of the world and be Tom Brady. You have to go, you have to, you, you got to have that number one receiver or that number two or that number three nowadays to go out there and be successful and literally throw the ball with your eyes closed and be unconscious. If I can go out there and be healthy and the other wideouts can make plays, we could be a balanced offense. If we get open when we need to get open, I think Lamar can throw for those 4,000 yards or those 4,500 yards or 5,000 yards, whatever these guys are putting up. I think he could be that quarterback and be elite in this game. End quote. Your thoughts on Watkins joining Baltimore. Your thoughts on it be a $1 million deal, so it's obviously a tester. And, your, and it only costs him five mil. So your thoughts on Sammy Watkins joining Baltimore, the contract, and what he said about Lamar. Yeah, you know, Sammy Watkins has had a troubled career with injuries when he was in Buffalo and and, and Kansas City as well. I, in my mind's eye, he's never really lived up to the expectations that I had for him, you know, coming out of Clemson. You, but you put him on the opposite side of the field as Marquise Hollywood Brown, 
and all of a sudden the Ravens look a little bit different. Yeah, Miles Boykin, you know, had you know some flashes, and Devin Duvernay. Does this mean they're giving up on him, or is he still a project? You know, they got an outstanding pass catching tight end in Mark Andrews, and they got possibly the best blocking tight end in Nick Boyle. They have one of the best quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson. You can go back to 2018 and pull up the tapes on my website through the archives of my pre-draft analysis with Lamar Jackson getting drafted at 32 for Baltimore. I went on record saying that he could be the dark horse. He could be the guy that proves to be the best quarterback out of that class. And in my mind, he has done that already. Then you throw in J.K. Dobbins. This team is a machine. But you got to understand they're a running machine first. Lamar Jackson will take the ball and run. J.K. Dobbins can run. Gus Edwards can run. This is a running team. This is one of the few teams that still employ the fullback position. And Patrick Ricard, they got one of the best in the game there. This is a situation where he's not going to be asked to do everything. Sammy Watkins is not going to be asked to go out there and be one of the top five receivers in the league. I don't think he's capable of that. And I don't think the Ravens are capable of producing that. But I think this move could make sense for everybody involved, including Marquise Hollywood Brown, who could learn some few things from a guy like a Sammy Watkins. Maybe this opens Marquise Hollywood Brown up a little bit more. So this could work out. This is a bit of a dice roll for both parties involved, the Ravens and Watkins, in my opinion. But... It could work out, and I think it it just might work out. So I think it's a good move for everybody involved, the Ravens and Sammy Watkins. Just don't expect glitz and glamour from Sammy Watkins on your fantasy team. He's not that guy. You know, and for those of you that want to knock Lamar Jackson, he has played two seasons in the NFL as a starter. And uh, pardon me, he played, no, well, he played, yes. Okay, so he's played three seasons in the NFL altogether. But here's the thing. He played sparingly in 2018, 96 touchdowns, three interceptions. But as a starter starter, as the guy, he had 36 touchdowns to six interceptions in 2019-20. This past season, 26 touchdowns to nine interceptions in 2020-2021. So this quote-unquote, not quarterback to some people. This quote unquote, he doesn't know how to pass. He doesn't have if he was a terrible passer, this man would have a lot of interceptions. He does not. He has 15 over two years. He has 18 in his entire career to 68 passing touchdowns. He's not had double digit interceptions in any season. Almost 30 touchdowns last year in a bad year. Almost 3,000 yards in a bad year. I'll take it. So I don't see the, oh my gosh, Lamar Jackson's not that good. Add in the fact he's had no less than five touchdowns in his three seasons in the NFL, five in his first, seven, and then seven. He's got 19 overall. He was a 1,000-yard rusher in 2019-20. He was a 1,000-yard rusher last season. So all-purpose yards in 2019-20, he put up over 4,300. Last season... He put up almost 4,000 in total. So, numbers don't lie. Lamar Jackson's numbers are pretty. I don't know what anybody's complaining about, which is a very nice way to put it. And I think there's talent at wide receiver. So, yes, Sammy, get open. But there's a lot of guys out there, and Lamar Jackson knows how to sling it. He did it at Louisville when I covered him there, and he's doing it in Baltimore. This man being a thousand-yard passer and rusher for the last two years as the starter, yeah, I'm good with it. I think he'll be okay. And as he said, pretty good for a running back. With that being stated, Mr. Sofka, I thank you for being a part of today's show. And every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time here inside of the Fantasy Football Power Hour. Set the dial, folks. Every Wednesday from 10 to 11, that is what we do. We talk fantasy football year-round because there is no end to fantasy football. For those of you that truly love it, appreciate it, and understand that Mike and I have way too much information to share with you. So to put it all during the season would be an inconvenience to you and be way too much information jumbled into one place. I'd rather spread it out all over the year. It's kind of like having a Sunday with sprinkles every day or only having sprinkles for a few months. 
It's not good enough. I like rainbow sprinkles. I need them every day. Fantasy Football Power Hour, proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. every single Wednesday here, Eastern Time. And you could set that and remember that. And, of course, you are watching us on YouTube.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT, and you're listening on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT and the WakeUpCallDT.com homepage where the MixLR feed is embedded. And it's also on our fantasy football page. Mike of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. Check him out there, as well as our winning fantasy football group on Facebook. As always, Mr. Sofka, thank you for your incredible work, for jumping down all of these avenues with me to talk about so many things and having conversations that really button up the topics of the day. I appreciate you very much. Well, thank you, Dan. I appreciate the opportunity. Hey, quick quick little footnote here. Sammy Watkins, 40 time. Do you know what it was? 4.43. So, yeah, he's one of the fast guys, too. But, um, yeah. I, it's really I, funny I, that you said that because my guess was right there. Like, I was waiting to see if you put, like, I was going to say 4-4, four, four, but then I, I'm not kidding with you. My thing was, if I got to pick a number after, like, price is right, I'm going to go with three. So, I was right there. I don't know if my brain remembered it or if, if I was just, you know, playing Rain Man this morning, but I was there. All right. All right, Dan. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much. Sounds good. Talk to you soon.